Hey, welcome in. It's Unanchored Boston, the podcast. Hank Morse, Bob Lobel, Butch Stearns in for Lynchy. And we're brought to you as always by our good friends at Our Best Foods and Our Best Burgers, George yes. Gray's Lexington Toyota, 409 Mass Ave in Lexington, and of course, Cold Springs RV, where, that's right, where, New Hampshire, W-E-A-R-E, New Hampshire, ColdSpringsRV.com, and a happy birthday to the great George Gray, celebrated a big birthday last week. Nice. What a guy, the best. 27. 20, he looks good, too. Hey, can I, I ask think- you a question? Now that George Gray's birth, you know, 75th birthday has come and gone. I'm just going to run down a list of things, and you tell me what's the most important, right? Patriots open up Thursday, tomorrow night. No, Thursday night, right. Okay, preseason. Can you believe it? Preseason football, Thursday night. There it is. Duran Duran and Jackie Bradley Jr., Eckersley, Bergeron Krejci, Serena Williams, Chris Sale. There we go. Now, pick pick one. Go ahead, Hank. Uh, selfishly for me, it's the Bruins. I'm glad that the Bruins got Bergeron done. You know, guys are going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer, and they got Krejci coming back. Now, I don't know if it's good to have uh, your number one and two centers, 37 and 36 years old, but for me, that was good news. What does so, that tell you about Cassidy? Well, okay, I know where you're going, Bobby, with this. There's no getting going? around. What do you mean? I'm always going. There's to no. There's there's no. Stop going here. I'm going to answer your question if you'd okay, let me. Bruce. Okay, Bruce. I mean, I'm sorry, Butch. I got Bruce on the mind. I should tell Arthur. You. It's I'm it's sorry, Arthur. Arthur. Why do you have that stupid Butch on your? <laughs> Whoever calls you Butch, leave me alone, everybody. Arthur, come on. Um. They call him that neighbor. I know where you're going. You're going here. There's no getting around the calendar, the dates of this, is that Patrice Bergeron retires. Bruce Cassidy gets fired. Patrice Bergeron comes back. David Krejci leaves because he's had enough after 15 years in Boston, but immediately comes back after Bruce Cassidy is gone. So, therefore, two plus two equals five, meaning that both both uh, Pasternak – both Krejci and um, both Krejci and Bergeron wanted Cassidy gone. They finally got what they wished, and now they're reunited. Isn't that where you're going? Isn't that where you're going right there? I well, that you, you pushed it a little further than I would have. You say wanted him gone. I just maybe they thought it was a little untenable for them to stay. Not that they wanted him gone. I don't think the Bergeron thing is far fetched. I really don't. Um, Krejci, I think is I think Krejci's more info or ammo that Cassidy was a, was more of a problem, and uh, and that, that they the, the club decided to bail out on their coach and, and get their couple players back. Well, whether they bailed out on the wrong coach or not, yet to be seen. As good as a coach he is, as much as we all liked him, and he also took him to the Stanley Cup Finals. Let's be honest. They underperformed during his time overall. I mean, they should have been better. They, they, they. Just, or, or, well, they had a terrible power play. We know that. We go, go right down the list. After having the best power play for a good stretch. Right. So, so look, he's going to be better off. He'll probably take Vegas to the cup. We'll probably regret that he's gone from the Bruins. But it doesn't mask the bigger problem with the Bruins. Hank, you just brought it up. They re-signed their 36- and 37-year-old top two centers, which is great. 
It's one-year deals. It's no risk, potential high reward. It's a Belichick-type thing if they can stay healthy at that age. But it really speaks to the bigger picture. They had to re-sign those guys, right? And one of the things I like, which is a minor thing in this, but they signed this guy, traded for Pavel Zaka from, from New Jersey. They were going to go to arbitration with him. Under the radar yesterday, they signed him to a $3.5 million deal, avoided arbitration. He now gets slotted in as a third-line center where he should be. It's a nice little bonus to have those other two if they're healthy. But the fact that, like you said, Hank, those guys are 36 and 37. We love them. Bring the band back together. Let's go for one more run. How long have we heard this? And they're not going to have Marshall until January, by all accounts. McAvoy, um, right? Yeah. McAvoy out. Grizzly. I mean, it's a. I got nothing bad to say about resigning them. I think they're still good players. Yeah, that's I, enough hockey talk for one show. Well, I will add this. So, I, I, you know, my cameraman showed up, obviously, if I could combine work with golf. And Bobby Sweeney and Ken Hodge Jr. were there yesterday, and the news broke, and I asked them about it. And uh, and um, Kenny Hodge was um, was pretty honest about it. He just said, well, when you sign your 36 guys that are 36 and 37, we all love them. He said, but it says more about your organization, doesn't it, when that, when that happens. So I think he's right. I think more the Krejci thing has probably twinned up with Cassidy more than – Bergeron because okay, we've done enough hockey talk for one show. Wow. Hey, I wore my Bruins shirt today. Come on. Look, who, look who's running the bus. Look, look who's driving the bus today. You gotta wash. Better put Jeez. your seatbelt on, Hank. Look who's driving the bus yeah. today. You know, right, is, you know, we can only can only go so far with this. this is, you know, is like, probably buying the first Chris beer. Sale, did Chris Sale breaking his wrist what? riding a bicycle? That's we can move thing. on, but unlike this, just establish this. Unlike sports final, we don't have a huge time limit like you used to do. You don't have to shut us up. We can go I'm on and say you up. I'm just trying to keep the thing moving. Okay, go on. What's next? Go ahead. Chris Come Sale. Up. Don't you think that's a big story? I think would it's a huge story. Would you ever get in a car with that guy? <laughs> no, that's a that's a very good point by you. I mean, seriously, is there anybody more accident prone than Chris Sale? He's like Great. a curb your enthusiasm episode. Like these crazy things happen to him, these weird well, injuries. All, people are going to think, Hank. People are going to think he. Remember, he just broke his pinky, right? Off a line drive after coming back in his first start. People are going to think this is the same injury, but this is not the same injury. He was riding a bicycle this weekend and fell off, or whatever happened. Maybe we assume he fell off, and he broke his wrist. And now he had surgery. And now, now he's definitely out for the season. So he must have been chewing gum at the same time. Here's my two comments about it. One is that apparently it dispels the rumor that it's just like riding a bike. <laughs> right? That's number one. Number two. You're pretty is, funny, Arthur. You know, when you really let out of the. Well, number two, I think you guys will both verify this. Doesn't this injury. Think of all the injuries over the years and the stories we heard. Do you remember who was it, Paxton Crawford, who fell out of bed and got 44 stitches in his back because he had a glass on the floor? That was the story we were given. Yeah, that was a story. Right. Yeah, was... and, we, and we found out that he drank a case of beer somewhere and stumbled around somewhere. So doesn't Shocking. falling off your bike and breaking your wrist, doesn't that fall into one of those, hey, we got to make up a good story? Bobby Sproul get a gunshot wound? 
From somebody's wife, probably. I don't know. You know, they need to contact Wade Boggs because he could will himself out of situations. Oh, Wade was the master. Of what? By the way, I don't know. Master of what? Well, he, he willed himself invisible that did. time when he the guy had the gun. I've never seen an athlete handle his liquor the way Wade Boggs does. does I watched mean? I watched him drink 20 beers and not even phase him. He's he's remarkable. What's that tell you about chicken? It's a superfood. Because <laughs> he ate chicken, chicken every We need a morning. chicken sponsor. We need to get a chicken sponsor. So is that to right. be, How about Harrow's should, Arthur, is that something we should be admiring? Or is that something we should be warning people no, about? No, I don't think we should admire it. But I'm just telling you, it's a fact. It's kind of legendary with him. Well, he did have 20... 2010 vision so maybe after he drank it got to be 2020 and then he was just like everybody else but who knows the thing with sale it goes back to pedro a week ago i mean what does it say about this organization pedro feels comfortable saying anything he wants anyway he always have but when one of your greatest players ever basically comes out and says what the hell are they doing i don't see the plan and the biggest the biggest criticism get rid of your all-star catcher and uh, replace him with what did yeah. they replace him with? Yeah, handy the guy man. who would, yeah, the handyman. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, so the biggest talk about the schools of ignorance for a catcher. My God, what Pedro did say that was very concrete is he goes, "My biggest issue with is this team is their entire staff, top to bottom, starting pitching all the way down, and now they're going to go into next year with." Chris Sale will probably be healthy then, right? Great. That's what they're oh, talking yeah, right. about. Yeah. By the way, the wrist that he broke was his right wrist, in case you were wondering. Yes. But but Chris Sale will probably be healthy. But what Chris Sale are they going to get? What's he started? Five games in two years? We don't even know what he is anymore. And then Nate Evaldi's going to be gone for whatever he is. He's going to be on some other contender going against you. Who, who do they have? Michael Walker's on a one-year deal. Nick Pavetta's deal is up. I mean, they got, they got rid of the one guy that gave him a good inning, and that was Jackie Bradley Jr. I was just, you took the words out of my mind, Bob, out of my mouth. Yeah. Well, they might they be are, able to bring him back. They are such a mess. Do you know that they're, I think it, I'll look it up. I think they're six games behind the Orioles right now. Yeah. And, and the they, Orioles are coming to town. They're, you know what? They're embarrassing. Embarrassing franchise right now. Well, isn't the real issue what's going on? Whatever the behind-the-scenes dynamic is between Heim Bloom and and um, and Alex Cora. I mean, let's just list them. A. Do you think Alex Cora wanted to trade his starting catcher? No, I don't. Christian I Vasquez. Think, I think he was shocked. I think he was really pissed off about that. Long before that, do you think Alex Cora kept wanting to stuff Franchi Cordero somewhere and hide him in the field? Franchi Cordero and Duran Duran. You know, how could how could how can you say that Duran could actually play center field? How can you say that Duran can play the outfield? He came up as a second baseman. And by the way, this this is what really kills me. We're kind of led to believe that they're okay, they whatever they did at the trading deadline, sell, buy, whatever, they couldn't make up their mind, that they're out of it and they know it. So let's develop at the major league level. Jaron Duran's 26 years old. He's older than Rafael Devers. <laughs> now they have. Now you just did you read that they have Bobby Dahlbeck taking ground balls at second base? All right, because they said that he's tied with JD Martinez 
for the second most home runs over the last two years with the Red Sox. Rafael Devers has okay. so? 70-some-odd, and those two guys tied with 44. So they've got him taking ground balls out at second base because, you know, it's been uh, – until Story comes back, right? It's been a revolving door. You know what? Well, if that's stop. the case, why don't I'm you take sorry. Durant, who is a natural second it's baseman, why don't you put him there? It's, they're not the, it's not the Yankees that suck. It's the Red Sox that suck. And you know they what? Do. Take a look at the outfield. Take a look at the Benatendi, Bradley, Betts, greatest outfield, killer B outfield ever. Where are they now? What happened to that? The three of them. One well, of them the Yankees. One of them's playing for the Dodgers, and one of them was just released. The best of the best defensive player of them all. Yeah, the one they went out and got back Friday night. Benatendi will be here Friday night. The Yankees come in Friday night, and probably the last meaningful series. And I don't know how much it means. For the Red Sox this year. Well, it means a lot for the Yankees because they're the ones that are stumbling right now. Worse, almost as worse than the Red Sox. But that's from we're not here to worry about the Yankees. That's their problem. We're talking about this franchise. For all the Dahlbuck at second, Frenchie Cordero at first, Dahlbuck at third. There's only one guy on this team, in my opinion, who deserves and can be the the, the poor man's Brock Holt, and that's Christian Arroyo. That kid can play any position. He even yeah. can hold his own in the outfield. He's not an outfielder. And he's a good player. And they'll probably lose him at the end of this year, too. I, if you're at Bogarts, would you want to stay here? Well, that's another good question. You, that can, is stay, a really you good. can say you want to stay here. And anybody that's smart would do the same thing. I want to stay there. I love it. I've loved the city. See you later. So here's the only way I, can, I can't answer that question, but I my insight into it is this. Hyam Bloom... It kind of went under the radar a little because the Red Sox are fading. He flew to Kansas City or flew to Houston and had a team-only meeting with him, Alex Cora, and the team after Christian Vasquez was traded and after the second, the final day of the deadline. So he comes out and he, he says to Tommy Karen on Nesson, the team deserved that from me. I need to be accountable. I need to be there. Great. Be a man about it. I like it. I wonder how that came across in the clubhouse, because if there is a dynamic that I believe is going on between Cora and Bloom, the team knows baseball players know that Alex, the decisions that Alex Cora are being taken out of Alex Cora's hands. So I just wonder, I think it goes right to your question, Bob. I wonder if, and he supposedly he met one-on-one with Bogarts, whatever he said to him, but I wonder if Bogart comes out of that meeting and saying, and we thought Dave Dombrowski was a tyrant. I'm out of here. I'll go to Philadelphia. Well, he's almost <laughs> been wondering aloud in the press, right, for the first time. Like, well, you know, it's kind of an odd time. You know, we don't really know what's going to happen. Rafael Devers, why would he want to come back here? Right, all right. So they well, Bogarts, if, Bogarts goes, if Bogarts goes, it is not a good sign for Devers. Oh, I can't say. I, I, don't, I think there's 25% chance that Bogarts stays here. Yeah, I, I think would it's say less than 50 I, do, I would I say I would have said seventy five percent, you know, a month ago. But after what's gone on, this franchise is in serious trouble. They, they are. They're going to finish. They're going to get a coveted top ten draft pick again, probably for whatever that's worth. Right. But we're probably going to go through a couple of rocky years waiting for Marcelo Mayer and Tristan Cassis and. Uh, even Cassis has been hurt, right? The last crazy, crazy. These are the guys they got for Mookie Betts. They got for, uh, for uh, Renfro. These are the guys 
you know, these are the guys that they Benetendi. Benetendi, too. Benetendi. You know, <clears throat> these are the guys they got in return for. I know. You know, great, great deals. Bloom is, Bluminati is, I can't see him less than the year. Well, I wonder, somebody said that to me yesterday at the tournament. I can't remember who it was. It was somebody, who, they just said they had heard that he's on shaky ground. And I was like, what are you talking about? He's pulling this, I mean, he's doing what he's being told to do. And they said, oh, I'm not so sure about that. I'm like, well, what are I you talking so, about? I don't, I don't, I'm not so sure. I, I think he is on shaky ground. I was on shaky ground. Okay, he's on shaky ground. So John Henry, once again, going to wake up and go like this before a season. Which way is the wind blowing? We're going to go the Billy Bean route. Nope, we're going to go the Dave Dombrowski route. We're not spending money on John Lester. Nope, we're going to sign Hanley Ramirez and Pablo Sandoval. Nope, we're going to forget the 30-plus old lefties. We'll overpay by $30 million for David Price. Let's okay. with David Price and Carl Crawford. <laughs> I, it, but doesn't it speak more to the Fenway Sports Group? It's as much about the Red Sox as it is about the Fenway Roush Racing and Liverpool and the Pittsburgh Penguins and uh, the great Sidney Crosby. I don't buy that, Hank, and I'll tell you why. He's owned the team for 20 years. Yes, they've won four World Series. What he's done with, from a business standpoint with FSG, to me, is remarkable. And the whole thing started because any revenue you generate through the Boston Red Sox brand is shared revenue with Major League Baseball. So John Henry was shrewd enough to start an independent group called FSG. And all those things that he does, more power to him, in my opinion, are to make money that he doesn't have to share with all the other billionaire boys and the, and the owners in Major League Baseball. So great. But I know where you're going. You're saying that by all his attention beyond that, his attention can't be on the Red Sox. Well, that's a hard argument to go against right now. But in his 20 years, he's hired – he's spent money. He's hired people. Again, I think his my biggest criticism of him is that he – again, he, he looks which way the wind's blowing. And now all of a sudden, Heim Bloom was going to be the late – the next Billy Bean. And maybe he's figuring out that's not working. And you maybe have to look at the Fenway Sports Group really over the last five years because that's really where it's really expanded with Liverpool and the racing. And then with and the, the penguins, the penguins, <laughs> right? So that well, maybe Bloom is maybe the maybe the theory is right, and Bloom's the wrong guy. Yeah, maybe he is the wrong guy. Maybe he's not many for prime time. I mean, he's certainly making moves like he's in Tampa, isn't he? And I think he certainly underestimated. Why should the fans care as much if they perceive the owners not to? Why should the fans care more than they perceive the owners not caring? I mean, how? Because they're fans. Because, because, you know, they're because, no, because they want to go to Fenway Park. They're younger. They want to go to Fenway Park. They want to have a good time. They could care less whether their team wins right. or not. Uh, well, that's part of it. Yeah, I agree with you. But but it's general. Of course they care because they fall in love with the players. And But you can't do that in a fall business. Fall in love with what player? What? The Red Sox the fans do. I mean, you know, you want to have a legitimate discussion on a player you're in love with? Who am I? <laughs> Myself. OK, and if I don't like myself, I just, you know, I talk to Butch for a while. But with Arthur, I love Arthur. He's a good guy. That's so. the nice thing about having two names. <laughs> That's pretty good. What did your mother call you? Oh, I don't want to go. I don't want to go there. <laughs> my mother called him. Butchie! That's how my mother called me. I can still hear her voice. What's your, what's your middle name? 
French. Arthur Frenchy. French Stearns. Frenchy. Frenchy, another Frenchy. Yep. I could have been, played better first base than Cordero. Come on. Right. Could have played better center field than Duran, too. Mother so, me oh, shit, my bro. goodness. Was, I, I got to be honest. They, bear, they, they addressed that story. He spoke to the media afterwards. They made him do it. But for Alex Cora after the game to be asked, what did you think of, of Jaron Duran? Um, and well, the, I thought you feel bad for the kid. I mean, seriously. Yes. You have empathy for the kid because he's been put out there and he doesn't. I'm not sure I could have caught those fly balls, but I might have had just as good a chance. Yeah, but losing, losing, I'm in a wheelchair. The ball, losing the ball in the sun is one thing. But if you go watch that whole inning, which I did the other night and chopped it up, his mannerisms after it, he that is a shaken, he's shaken like yeah, to well, the core. Yeah, and and to and to and, and to me, it's verified by the way he reacted with the fans. And then the way he handled it afterwards, he said, What? What? What are you talking about? And then I think it was Ian Brown that was pressing him. He goes, well, you, you went at it with the fans. He goes, no, I, they were throwing bottle caps at me. And then, so to, to throw out the barb that fans are throwing stuff at you is a different level. But then he downplayed it. Yeah, but don't he worry, says, he didn't catch him. He didn't catch him. <laughs> Good line. <laughs> Good line. Pablo Bell with his fastball today. He says, they were throwing bottle caps at me, so it was really no big deal. Well, if it was no big deal, then why did you act like a psycho who just got out of the ward and had to be held back by Alex Verdugo, who has his own neurotic issues? But Cora, yeah, after know, the game... Let me just the finish thing his with Cora, not running. Cora, I'm sorry, Butch. Yeah, Cora, I'm sorry, no, but Cora, after the game, this is what really gets me. And I love Cora, and I understand he was protecting his player. Alex, what did you think of um, Jaron Duran going at it with the fans? What? Oh, I didn't see it. No, I didn't see it. Turns his head and goes to the next question. Didn't see it? Yeah, he didn't knows. see you it? Know, he's just, you know, he knows what questions to ask and answer not to answer. I guess so. I'll give him the mulligan. He's earned it, but. Well, no, I just, but you know that. He, he just. I know, but he it's. He's not deal with it. He's trying to protect his player that's unprotectable right now. But here's the problem with the Duran thing. We keep saying, like, you shoot somebody just said, I think it was you, Bob, the kid, the kid. In major league terms, he's not a kid. He's not 21, 22, 23. Again, he's older than Rafi Devers. So, I mean, I wish the kid well. He's a phenomenal athlete, but I'm oh, trading. I'm trading. I did. I'm trading him out of town on the first boat to Kansas City. Well, who's going to take him? Well, that's, maybe, maybe that's why you play him the rest of the year and hope he lights the world on fire because the kid is a talent. He really is a talent. He's got. Kid. Here I go again. Duran is a talent. He has speed like like nobody. Yeah, well, so does oh, Usain Bolt. You don't see him playing center field. Yeah. So who was the receiver for the 49ers? Remember this? Well, okay, let's take the Patriots and the Ronaldo Giants. Ronaldo Nehemiah. That was it. I just remembered it. That's Skeets. Good. Skeets. Ronaldo Nehemiah. That's really good. How about the uh, – that's one from the past. What about the Patriots and Giants Thursday night? That's why you should get out today, fire up the grill, and go and get our best burgers. Well, that's a good segue. That is a you good know, segue. You know, you can have a little tailgate in your backyard as you kick off NFL football season with our best burgers, our best foods. You go to ourbestfoods.com. You download the coupon, and then you go to the frozen food section at your local grocer. You walk down, and you look for the smiling chef. Yep. Anybody home? 
He's so happy. He's, he's happy all the time, but he's particularly happy that it's still summer and that the New England Patriots will be back on Thursday night. So let me you grab yourself a go, box. Hang. If I go to our best the, foods, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, I broke up. Go ahead. <laughs> I was just going to say, if I go to our no, best, if, foods, to our best foods. No, you if I go to ourbestfoods.com, I can download that coupon, put it right on my phone, go right to the store, and I can use it. Yes, you can. All right. Okay. Send them to your friends and then load up because you're going to need them. <clears throat> you know, everybody's got a fridge down in the basement, right? You buy about a dozen, a dozen boxes, you store them up. There is still a lot of baseball, and we don't know what's going to happen. Right. And then you get football season. You get the tailgate. We're coming into a great, great part of the year. The weather's going to be beautiful. I mean, we've had a great summer. It's been a hot summer, but it's been a, a barbecue and grill summer. And that's why you need to go out and get your our best burgers and go to ourbestfoods.com. You'll be glad you did. I'll be right there. Hold on. Where are you going, Butch? You can't. The show's in progress. You can't leave. Oh. What's he doing, Hank? I hope he's not going to ride his bike. Arthur. You don't need any other injuries. Arthur French. I think he, I think he just ran Maybe he's off. going to get his burgers. Sorry, I had to let my dog out to pee. Jeez. What? Oh, speaking of that, let me show you this, Butch. What is it? You talk, mentioned the trough, right? <laughs> oh, nice. That's the book that you were talking about. Yeah, right? <laughs> That's the it? cover? <laughs> in focus? I am. In... An endless stream of stories <laughs> forever leak from Fenway's name <laughs> Well, the only beef I have with that, I love the cover. I love the title. And I liked the troughs, but I never had a conversation with anybody at the troughs. No. I wasn't no. comfortable having a conversation with it. You know, yeah, it's they, one of those awkward moments when. Yeah. You don't, you don't you turn see? your head. You never turn your head. Just do your business and get out. Yeah. 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 A, lot, a lot of water there. Yeah, it's cold and deep too, isn't it? <laughs> well, the nice thing, you're distracted now, actually, because now they've got the advertisement on the wall that you can get you get to look at when you're at the urinals. So here's my Patriots thought. Tell me what you guys think. Good. Why the hell are they changing the offense? Why are they going to the fundamental core and changing what – worked for Mac Jones last year? Well, maybe there are people... Okay, explain this, Butch, because I don't think a lot of people have signed into the Patriot world just yet. I mean, well, I think, it, I think it's pretty simple. They're going to a zone-blocking scheme, which was made famous by the Denver Broncos. But if you listen to football people like Ted Johnson, who was very good this week while he was down at training camp, he explained to them it's, it's as simple as that. You don't block a man, you block a zone. And the reason the Denver Broncos had a lot of success and had running back after running back after Terrell Davis that seemingly gained 1,000 yards and made fantasy football people happy is that once you learn how to do it, it's easier if you, you, know, you have the moves and the quickness, you can, you can cut and make holes. It makes bigger holes. What it also does is open up the passing game <clears throat> because it, it's also an RPO, like a run-pass option type thing, meaning that the quarterback – can make it look like a run and it's a pass and make it look like a pass and it's a run, which ideally, theoretically, creates all these open seams in the middle of the field, maybe not deep. So my fundamental question is, now it all sounds good, and while sometimes taking a step back 
can give you two steps forward. It might be good in the long run. Did I miss something? Is is Mac Jones a running mobile quarterback? I, I, I just I don't. This is as baffling as what the hell are the Red Sox doing to me? I, it really is baffling to me. And I think Bill the in Bill we trust thing has lost the majority of its luster, hasn't it? Yeah. Well, well, you know what? Well, I, the Patriots and, they don't make playoffs this year. Wouldn't you say the Patriots? The Patriots, for the first time in 20-some-odd years, I won't say they're irrelevant, but it's not sports talk. Sports radio every day used to be the Patriots. 365 days out of the year, you would always have a Patriots story. You know, Belichick, people think he's past his prime, right? Brady won another Super Bowl. And Mac Jones, serviceable young quarterback. He's gone out of his way. He said more nice things about (laughs) Mac Jones in the last three months than he said about Tom Brady in 20 years. Yeah, he backed off of that pretty quickly, though. You know, the big most disturbing thing to me, and again, I'm, you know, just listening to the sound every day, even if I don't go down to camp because we get links for it, is the David Andrews yesterday. David Andrews, captain, says, you know, I'm not so worried. This is what he said. I'm not so worried about how we're going to be in week one. The NFL is about a building thing and how you're going to be the end of the year. Well, that's great. But doesn't that tell you that he admits this is going to be a work in progress? And if they don't come out of the gates and are not competitive, you take a good look at their schedule, they could be 0-4 before you blink an eye. So I just don't – I don't understand why. And then you add in the whole dynamic about, well, Josh McDaniels is gone. We don't know. Bill does who's calling the plays or who's whatever. Mac Jones is standing there in front of people and saying, I like to win in practice. And the fact that we're not winning, it's like losing a game to me. I'm like, oh, my goodness. Really? I thought these these guys were supposed to be a distraction. And we turn our attention to the Patriots after the Red Sox. This is supposed to be good. It doesn't feel good to me. It doesn't feel good at all. No, I agree. Plus, those aren't the things you typically hear coming out of mouths of New England Patriots. Well, maybe Belichick wants to get fired, so I'll get paid. <laughs> so, Butch, do you have a Sunday night show? You do not, yeah, right? I do. do. Yes. I don't. I must have lost the invitation in the mail. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's gone down to fifteen minutes. Well, that's ridiculous. Why don't I we just some do, the- can't you talk to your people about doing a Sunday night show? Yeah, well, if I if I had a producer, that would help. You know, doing a doing fifteen minutes, both producing, editing, yeah. and hosting it myself. Some things suffer, most of it. Usually, my wardrobe, but whatever. All right. Well, I'm just offering you know help to help you out here. I want you to, I want you to succeed because if you succeed, <laughs> we succeed. <laughs> I'm on the back nine. No, I'm you're not, not changing you're the not. world. You think you are, but you're not. I'm not changing I'm the world. Making you an offer here. No one. I mean, show every. Listen, you're still. You're a young guy in shape. Show him that big muscle you got there. We just saw it. Oh, yeah, that's the, 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 the form. That's the form. That's a Ted Johnson muscle. That's pretty good. Form. No, it's detached from my. Oh shit! Stop it! You don't have to tell people that. You just show them. I'm just telling you, Butch. We're here to help. I just gotta open this door. I just realized the air conditioning's not coming in here. That's my problem. All right. I thought All right. So I don't. I mean, what are you looking forward to in the Patriots this year? 
I don't know. Maybe which guys can play. I hear all about this Tyquan Thornton. Nine and eight. Who's it? Who are they going to? They're going <coughs> to finish ahead of Miami and Buffalo. I don't. I mean, how do we know what they're going to be before we, we know don't. what they're going to? What they're going to? I mean, one of those foolish things right now, even after the Giants game, would be to go through the schedule and say, "Oh, win, loss, loss, win." Seriously, they might what be. They might be the. Wait a minute, Arthur. Arthur. Yeah. You just said after the first four games, it could be 0-4. You just did the same thing. Okay, so you're right. Within 30 seconds, I'm the biggest hypocrite in the world. But I know, but what I'm just trying to say I don't mind. I'd be in the hypocrite. I want to help you out on your Sunday night show. But go ahead. Doesn't it, doesn't, doesn't it feel like that all the other teams in the division have taken a step ahead of the Patriots, even yes. the Jets maybe? Yes. With a second-year head coach who was a good defensive coordinator, who I think is going to be a really good head coach. What do I know? Oh, who knows what that quarterback's going to do? Right? You know a lot more than most people. Well, yes. I mean, the only team you could argue they haven't taken a step ahead of is the Jets. I mean, behind is the Jets, I think. I think you're right. So now that we peed on the Patriots fans' parade, what can you look for with the Giants? Well, I I, I'd I'd like to believe that the light bulbs are going off for the players and that we'll see some progress and we'll see some things and we'll hear the announcers say, that's why this offense is going to be good. That's the type of thing. Well, we'll see. What is that game on Thursday night? Is it on Channel 4? Well, who's got the game? Yeah, for? I believe so. It is. It, I, I know it is. I saw Steve yesterday. I know it's on NFL Network, it says. No, it's on 4. Who's doing it? Do you know? Uh, uh, Zolak is doing the game. I think he's doing it on TV. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he's doing it on TV. I don't know for sure. I just heard Zolak say that last week. I mean, he's doing a play-by-play. Do you? I don't. Um, yeah, used to be. Right. Used to be. Uh, was it Don Cricky? Yes. Yes, it was. Yeah, and uh, they got the old center from the Niners. What about Can't Iron Eagle? Iron Eagles doing the game? No, he does a lot. What is, does he do on his? Oh, he, he must be doing. Pats? He does the Giants, I think. He did three or four Pats games last year. Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited about the game on the 26th and they play the Raiders. I know. Out in Vegas. You know, if they light the Pats on fire, it'll be like, ah, it's preseason. But it'll be fun to watch the teacher and the student. You think they, I just, I just wonder how much time that they've have they spent enough time in preseason to start before playing these games uh, you know you spend all this time traveling it's almost like a waste of time you're wasting days you don't have a lot of days to play with and you're wasting days by traveling across country to play the raiders and these stupid things like that well I mean, I, only <clears throat> three preseason games too right they right, that's three. you took the words out of my mouth, Hank. They've cut it down to three preseason games. Belichick now, for I think it's five years in a row, has done this, and he's doing it twice. He's done joint practices with teams during the, and it's sort of helped them as the season goes along. He's picked some guys off their rosters that he gets a look at. I think it's Heim Boom, Billy Bean, like you know, trying to, you know, he's been great at finding the Malcolm Butlers and the. Uh, Gunnar Olszewski's of the world, but, you know, not so good at developing his second, third, and fourth round draft picks. But anyway, he's doing uh, the Panthers next week. 
here and then the Raiders there against Josh McDaniels. And Josh clearly likes it because he agreed to do it with Belichick. <clears throat> I mean, Josh knows where the bodies are buried. Josh knows the secret sauce. He knows what Bill's up to. What do you so, think? Let me just ask you, Arthur, if you really have a, an opinion on what happened in the biggest mystery in Patriot history is Malcolm Butler. <laughs> do I have an opinion? All right, I'll give you Actually, my you know opinion. what? I just saw something in Butch's eye that said, I know and I can't talk no. about it. No, that's yeah, not no, it, I Hank. saw that. I don't know. I As saw a that fact, too, Hank. And a matter of fact, I don't even think I don't even think the other defensive backs on that team know to this day, unless Malcolm told them. If Malcolm knows, <clears throat> it could have been as simple as because Butler was late for some reason. He came on Wednesday. Belichick decided he didn't like the matchup with whatever, and he just benched him. But you know, I Super don't cool. know. I know the stories that are going around. I know that, Bel that Steve Belichick and Malcolm Butler did have a fight, or a fist fight had to be separated earlier in the year. I know the rumors about why that fight happened, but I'm not going to. Would I'm you care gonna, to share, Arthur? No, no, because there's no substantiation to it and something that you can't. I mean, you know, the rumors are that. that no, no, you don't want to go with the rumors. You don't want to yeah. do that. So, so what do I think happened? I think Butler did something to piss Belichick off and shame on Belichick because he says he always does what's good for the team. There's no way he can defend it, not playing him, not only not starting him, but not putting him in in the second half of a track meet when everybody who watched football for the first time knew that the, the first team that was going to make a good defensive play, which was the strip sack on Brady late in the game, was going to be the difference in the game. And that was pretty much it. And and so he didn't put Malcolm Butler – shame on – he did not do what was best for the team then. And for Butler to come back, I take my I hat off to the kid. It tells me nobody else wanted him, but I take my hat off to the kid that he's buried it. But – Yeah, the money's green. Yeah. So I don't know, Bob. I don't know the answer to that. Do you? What's your theory? Uh, I've heard the same things you heard. Yeah. And you know, it's – I mean, it could – all of them could be true. None of them could be true. Uh, but the bottom line, I think your answer was was right, and I don't think he did the best for the team. But that's water over the dam. It's it's now ancient history, and you know soon Malcolm Butler will be fading into the sunset, and these questions won't be asked anymore because most people will forget it ever happened. Here's why it'll never fade in the sunset: when Bill Belichick goes to wear that yellow jacket, and they list all his accomplishments, you can't ignore the Malcolm Butler decision. It was his decision. And the reason it'll never die is even the most devout Belichick critic has to admit that he's probably the greatest coach in the history of the NFL over the 20 years with the Patriots run, no matter how much credit you want to give Tom Brady. But he can't defend that because, again, he did do what was best for the team a lot of times. He, he swallowed hard and traded guys like Richard Seymour, who he loves today, and was unbelievable in that announcement last week. He traded Mike Vrabel. He traded Willie McGinnis at the end when he was he got rid of Tom Brady basically at the end. Vince Wilfork. Vince Wilfork. I mean, it was just the way he did it. But that one decision, even he knows, was not in the best interest of the football team, and we're never going to hear why. So 
that's the problem, I think, for him. And he has no interest in answering it or coming out and saying Imagine if he came out one day. Imagine if he'd done it at the Hall of Fame. Just said, listen, this is why we did it. I mean, <laughs> what, yeah, that's right. 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 That's, I'm sure I'm looking forward to that. Speech. It's almost well, like he's living in Charlestown. It's like the code of silence. It's amazing. Speaking of the code right. of silence, what's going to happen with Deshaun Watson and the National Football League? I think he's getting suspended for a year. I think I that's too. what the league wants, and I think that's what the owners want. So Goodell backed out of the decision-making process and hired somebody who's going to make the same decision. Shrewd move on his part. Well, he doesn't have to take responsibility. You know, now he's <laughs> he doesn't have to take blame or responsibility for it. Hey, that's why I hired this smart guy, independent arbiter. To do it. And by the way, that's in the CBA. We collectively bargained for that. So, I, you know. I wonder when that decision is going to come down because. It's got to be in the next. I know. Pro- I'm just mad. You know, I keep thinking about the Browns. How stupid. What could they be? What could they have been thinking? Speaking of the Browns and speaking of Cleveland, the guy started in Cleveland. And I think we got to gotta mention this. Dennis Eckersley's decision to yeah. uh, step down from the booth. Um, you know Eck well, Bob, Hank, I'm sure you've had some dealings with him. And the one thing I've loved, always loved about Eck, and I can't say this about a lot of people, I think part of the reason he's so beloved in this town is not only his Eckisms, high cheese, you know, going bridge, all this stuff, but he is, and I can't say this about a lot of people, he is the exact same person in person that you see on TV. And for as public a figure and as cartoon a character as he is at times, he is a very private person. And uh, I texted him yesterday and he just sent me one. I said, good health. Eck. And we actually had this conversation. I was privileged enough to be invited to go to the Jerry Remy ceremony because of the Red Sox did a great job and invited anybody that ever worked with Jerry. And I worked with Jerry for two years, Channel 68. And I was sitting next to Eck and talking to him. And all we talked about, all he kept talking, I should have sent something then, but all he kept talking about were his grandkids out in California because I was talking about retirement and all this and that. So he's probably been thinking about this for a long time. And uh, I don't know. I think Red Sox baseball is going to be different without him. Didn't we all wait for Eck to be doing a game to hear what he really felt about something? He was a reason to watch, too, during the, you know, just so to hear his. text yesterday, Butch. What's that? I sent him his text yesterday, and he texted me back. I just said, nicely done, Hall of Fame announcer. We'll miss you. And this phrase he had, Powder River. I love that phrase, Powder River. It's a Bob phrase, Bob Prince phrase when he was doing the Pirate Games. <clears throat> Powder River was, you know, just really cool. But X used it from time to time. He said, good to hear from you trying to get this out of the way. Kind of sad, Eck, which kind of says it all. He's not somebody that's going to tell you his emotions, but I don't. I think he feels it's hard to believe he was there 20 years. I know 2003, 20 years believe. with Nesson, 50 years consecutively in Major League Baseball between a player and an announcer. There's other guys that have done that, you know. Um, but Bob, I'm not going to read it to you, but similarly, I just wish I said, because, you know, we've all lost friends as we get older. I said, Eck, I wish you good health and I'll miss you, man. And he said, uh, he said, thanks for the thanks, something like thanks for the good wishes. I really appreciate it. Very emotional day. So, yeah, like thanks. you said, for a guy that for a guy that doesn't 
He he's all heart, that guy. Yeah, all heart. Said. I know his his wife Janice, she's great. She's from Cleveland. And uh her mother still lives out there. So I just and I know that his grandkids, they live out in the West Coast. California, yep. So yep. he's originally from Oakland area, right? Heck. Uh that's a good question. I think he was born on the West Coast. I, no, I think you're right. You know, right, and you yeah. think for Boston, right? When you when you look back at his relationship here, you know, when he came here, you figure he only played here 78 to 84, and then he left, and then he came back for that short period of time at the very end when he retired. But he came here after some struggles, personal and professional, in Cleveland, right? But he also, he's, you know, been pretty vocal about some of his personal struggles with, you know, alcoholism and... You know, Boston, I think, has always been a place that's really supported him. I think that's probably the hardest thing is that the love that they've always showed him, despite the hardships that he's gone through, right? Well, I, I would say I would say the same thing as you in a little different way, Hank. I mean, we all talk about a guy comes to Boston and very quickly we say, I wonder if this guy's made for Boston. We just had the conversation about Eric Hosmer. We're having it now, aren't we? They've, they've, it seems like a Fenway guy. Eck embraced it. Eck is on the top of the list. He was at the end of his career and still got something out of it. You know, the second time he came with the Red Sox, he loved being here. He loved being here as a player. And I don't, you know, some people don't want the scrutiny. Some people don't want it. A lot, a lot of, I don't think Jaron Duran wants it right now. <laughs> I don't know. I think X a unique guy. I think yeah. I, a Hall of Fame guy as well as being a Hall of Fame person. My heart broke yesterday. And I guess part of it is selfish. I'm 56 years old. Eck came to the Red Sox in 1978. You know how when you're in sixth grade and you can remember every single lineup? Of course, 78 was a tough year, right, for the Red Sox. And then Eck came following. And, you know, it's still a link to my childhood, even though now I'm 56 years old. Yeah. You know, you, you can remember the starting lineups, you know, when you're growing up. And I remember as a pitcher growing up, we would, you know, whether we're playing wiffle ball in the yard or playing, you know, uh, stick ball, we would emulate the kick. Right, number forty-three. Oh, yeah. He had the long hair, the long hair flowing. He had the unusual kick, the three-quarter delivery, and you know. And let's face it, he was so demonstrative. You know, he'd point at guys when he struck them out. You know, he wasn't afraid. You know, to the to thine own self be true. You know, X pick picture should be uh, under that Shakespearean. So I'm looking at his bio, and here's a couple of things. You are correct, Hank. He was born in Oakland. He went to Fremont High School. But what's interesting, I think, is when he was traded to the Red Sox, he had a no-hitter in Cleveland, I think we all remember. I couldn't believe they got him. And he only played three years for the Indians. The Red Sox got him before his prime. He played uh, <clears throat> 78 to 84, so seven seasons with the Red Sox, right? 78, 79, 80, and four. Yeah, seven seasons. The only team he played more with was the Oakland Athletics. He played nine seasons with the Oakland Athletics uh, in 87 and 95. So, and then he came back in 98 for that last year. But, I mean, again, as a person, he's one of my favorite I ever met. He really was. And on the radio, oh, my goodness, was he good on the radio. Oh, my goodness, he was so good. I remember we did on 1510 The Zone, remember? Um, when they were starting out, they they asked me to who could I get, and I called back, and we did a show in studio one day, and I was like, "Wow, I would love to do this every day." He says, "I can't. I'll piss too many people off." 
<laughs> no, you won't. <laughs> yeah, no, he had he had a lot of people. He was very true to his friends. Very so much so now. Yeah, a lot of people to answer to. But um, you know what? He always did a great job. He always did a great job. I don't know if embracing is the right word, but when he gave it up to Kirk Gibson, right? Gave up oh, the home run. It is embracing, Hank. When they get together now, I was actually in the hallway of the press box and witnessed when the Tigers were in town years ago, him and Eck hugging and talking about it. I mean, Eck, Eck is, this is probably too strong, but I think he's proud to be part of that moment. I mean, he's got, he's a Hall of Famer. He's got enough of a body of work that he, that's not his, it's not this Bill Buckner moment, you know? No. I mean, he realized it's one, it's one pitch. It's one pitch. And it was one of the greatest moments. It's one of the most signature moments in baseball history, right? And he was a part of it. Vin Scully's call. What what did he say? I don't know. That's a good, I'm not sure how he actually feels about it. You know, I don't think. But he's embraced it. He, he, oh, yeah. right. well, he's, you know, he's very realistic about it. You have to embrace it. It happened. You have two choices. You can embrace it or not or run embrace. away from it. Yeah. Yeah. And it happened. And I, you're right. That's the only healthy way to, to go for it. But I, I can't imagine he would, he's proud he was there. I can't imagine that. I still think he's sensitive enough to, you know, feel. Well, look, it was just the first game of the World Series. It wasn't like a walk-off World Series win. It was just game one. So it wasn't the be-all and end-all. It just was game one of a World Series. And it just happened to be against a guy who hobbled up to the plate and, and hit a home run. That's That was the drama of it, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. Wally Bryan worst... asked him, our pal Wally Bryan asked him one time in an interview, he said, you know, Let's go back to that home run you gave up. He goes, is that the only thing you remember about my career, Wally? <laughs> he also, Wally also asked um, Bill Lee one time, what were you thinking when you threw the EFIS pitch to Tony Perez? And Bill Lee replied, what, did you want me to get him out with my 75-mile-per-hour fastball? I was, I was just going to bring up the EFIS pitch. Channel 56 years ago. Um, Frank Malicote was hosting. I was producing with Billy Fairweather. I had to pick up Billy. I had to go get him at the Sheridan. He had a, two tall bud, bud uh, bottles in his back pocket. And he was had, had a gut suit on. <laughs> he had played softball with some girls team all day. And he was eating a steak. I said, we got to go. You got to get on the show. But right when he walked in the studio, we had the video queued up for the Epis pitch. And Frank started asking him the question. As soon as the first frame rolled, Bill Lee goes, uh-oh, uh-oh. <laughs> How many stations uh, did you work for, Butch, Arthur? Well, I, I, everybody, everybody but BZ, I think. No, I didn't work for Chills. Well, I didn't work six, for... We went 68? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's where I remember you very first, probably in, what, the mid-'90s? 96, I came back to Boston. Well, no, no, I did the... What is his career? Tell me this career, Arthur. What's, what is the career? Oh, my goodness. Braintree Cable TV, uh, K-A-A-L in Rochester, Minnesota. Really? The Fan in Minneapolis, K-Fan Radio. I did oh. on the weekends. Then I got my first big break, went to Detroit for WDFN, the first all-sports station in Detroit. 
And then I came back home to Channel 68 in Boston and the station. Well, all radio, right? This is all radio until 68. No, no, they were all TV. The only radio was KFAN and WDFN. And then when I came to back to Boston, what you're talking about, Hank, for me, you know, I was hired with Doug Brown as part of the Red Sox pregame show. If you remember at that time, this is talk about dinosaur days. Think about this. John Herring to the time, one of the biggest concerns for the Red Sox was keeping half of their games on free TV, free TV. So they, they had Ness, they had half the games on Nesson. It actually it was split up this way, 75 on Nesson. We had 75 on over the air TV and the other 12 were split up between ESPN and Fox and the, and the major networks. But we had a full pregame show and a full postgame show. I mean, who cares about that anymore, about keeping it on free TV? But at the end of that season, we had hired me and a bunch of other people. And Bob Gordon, 75-year-old Bob Gordon at the time, Butch, this is my television station. I took him to Chow Bella above Daisy Buchanan's and sat with Brent. Remember Brent? And introduced him. And I told him I wanted to do my own show. So he gave me the show, 68 Sports Night. It sucked. I got to be honest, it was sports radio on TV, but Bob was one of my frequent guests because athletes would cancel and he'd go just tell Ed Goldman, don't worry about it. I'm going down the street. I'll be back five minutes before my show. And uh, but that was my big break because I ended up with Glenn on the big show coming back to Boston. And whatever, if you were flipping through the channels, even if you didn't stop to watch the show, I was on every night. And that was the year the Patriots went to the Super Bowl, 96, 97. And I came friendly with all those guys. I had a limo that would pick them up, take them into the show on Monday night, bring them over to Chow Bella to eat. They'd go downstairs at Daisy's. They didn't get in the limo, wouldn't have to drive and drive them back home. They loved me. Bob, <laughs> it sounds like that would be a nice thing for Sunday night show, don't you think? With yeah, Bush. you're living large, Butch. Well, what we should have done to bring this full circle is gone up to where, and instead of having the limo service, they could have well, got a you know what? Right, Hank? See, Mr. Gordon, when he looked at you, he knew. <laughs> I got a sharp one right here. You know what? We're talking about Eck, right, going out to the West Coast. We got to add him to the Lobie Cruiser. Bob Lobel, Butch Stearns, Lynchy, myself. Maybe we pick up Billy in Vermont. So we are going to go to the NHL Hall of Fame. We're going to go to the uh, Canton, Ohio. We'll hit Springfield, Cooperstown. Get out to the West Coast. We'll go out. We can visit with Eck, right? And what are we going to do it with? A Cold Springs RV. That's right. Cold Springs RV, Ware, New Hampshire, W-E-A-R-E, -E, New Hampshire, ColdSpringsRV.com. And really, you need to get up to Cold Springs RV, Bob, right? Because it's the end of the season sale that's going on right now. Right. This is the month to buy. This is the, absolutely the month to buy. I mean, right. they Excellent. have... August is the buy month. You have to go right now because they still have some great deals because they're getting ready to clear out the inventory and they're getting ready to bring in the 2023 models. So the stuff right now is must sell. They must sell off current inventory of new and pre-owned units. So there, don't tell you, don't say we didn't tell you. <laughs> it's like a bowl of ice cream on a hot August day, just like today. It's not going to last. No, that's it. And if you show up and that ice cream is gone, you're like, imagine how it would feel if you showed up and you finally said, honey, let's go up. Let's get that RV. We want to travel cross country. The amount of money that you can save 
So get the summer sales event off at Cold Springs RV. It's off and running, and you need to get there. And to find out more, just go to their website, coldspringsrv.com. Coldspringsrv.com. You will not be disappointed. No, you won't. Go in, try the bathroom, try the shower, see if you fit, lay down on the beds. There's no trough. Press the buttons so that, <laughs> yeah, there's no, actually, you know what? There's no trough. The trough had some spray back too. I didn't like that so much, you know. Can I throw something out there before we go? Yeah, we're not going to that. We got other things to talk about. Go oh, ahead. All right. Okay. Last week we brought up whether the NBA should retire Bill Russell's number six, like Jackie Robinson in yeah. baseball, right? So, I've done a couple stories on it this week. And yesterday I talked to our good friend, Bob Ryan and Steve Bopet. And um, Ryan, of course, was so thoughtful. They both were. Steve said, I just wish they had done this when he was alive. He they just, I really wish that he had done it when he was alive. And Bob said that when he made the case for it, he said, Bill Russell was not only the most signature player in the NBA. He's the most signature figure in the history of basketball. So in that sense, he is Jackie Robinson. But then I asked him, I said, what, I know the answer to this question, Bob, is just do it. But what would the NBA have to do to do it? So you could see him thinking out loud. The smoke was coming out of his head. He goes, oh, you know, they'd, they'd form a committee and that's fine. He goes, I'd be on it. I'd volunteer. He pulled his hat off. He said, and they'd have a committee and they'd have all these people talking about it and doing it. And he goes, and tell me this, Butch. He goes, if you had a camera on that committee or you were fly on the wall in that room, do you want to be the person in that committee speaking up against it? Who's going to speak up against it? Who's going to bring up a point that his number should not be retired? And I thought about it and I was like, and this was right off the top of his head. He came up with all this. I was like, it's getting retired. Who's going to, who's going to say anything that well, if we do this, then we can't. And Bull Pett brought up this point, which was interesting, about LeBron James. He said LeBron James, when he went to Miami, did not want to wear 23 because he had worn it before in Cleveland in respect to Michael Jordan. So what number did he choose? Six. <laughs> oh, another reason that you need to hate LeBron. That's pretty remarkable. Right, let's, let's, let me ask this question. Now that Krejci... Just to go right back to the beginning, Krejci and okay. Bergeron come back, sign contracts for how much? A million? Uh, Krejci is a million with two million in incentives. And, okay. and Bergeron is 2.5 with 2.5 in incentives. And one other thing, from what I've been told, those incentives are easily reachable. If they stay okay. healthy, they're going to make it. Compare those contracts with NBA contracts. Compare those what you'd call paltry sum contracts. Not that that's a paltry sum, but compared to the NBA deals, like the, the stuff that Kyrie Irving gets, anybody in the NBA. Where, yeah, where are you going? $50 million deals, right? Where are you I mean, going? About, right. I'm just saying about it's the- It's like AAA payment. In the, in the salaries to the National Hockey League, to the National Basketball Association. Well, there's some obvious answers to that one. One, there's only 12 guys on a basketball team, and there's- you know, uh, um, you know, 30 on the hockey team. Uh, number two, they have a salary cap in hockey, so the top players only make nine or ten million a year. Um, I, I'm not justifying it, Bob, at any well, I'm means. I'm just saying, I'm just. It's crazy. 
that's my point. I mean, pointing out the major, dis- how wide the discrepancy is in the South. Do you know what the crazier thing is? Think about this. Everybody says if you trade for Kevin Durant now, you have him under contract for four years. What the hell does that mean? He's under contract for the Nets right now, and he's not going to play for them. Right. You don't. <laughs> you don't have any guarantee that he's going to he change. Like, his- he doesn't like to stay anywhere. He bounces around. Plus, I. He's, but you're he's only gradual year because it, didn't we decide and didn't we agree that it was really only next year that's important, not the next five years. I asked Bob about that yesterday, and he said he's not doing it. He's a much bigger Jalen Brown fan than you are, but he said the reason he's not doing it is you're going for the championship in one year. Because if you don't win the championship in one year, it's not worth it. And even then, you can question whether it is. But you're right. It, you know, I mean, he's 33, maybe 34. Now, those four years he has remaining, isn't it like $195 million? 198. One ninety-eight, yep. almost it's fifty basic, million dollars a year. Yeah, almost fifty million dollars a year. Yeah. You think Jackie Bradley Jr. will be playing anywhere again? I I think some contenders crazy not to pick him up. Here's the well, here's the thing that they he's owed seven million dollars now for the, the clock's ticking down, but he's owed seven million dollars for the rest of the year. That's why nobody's picking him up. But the Red Sox have to pay that no matter what. But I think that I think there's a time period that goes through now and then he'll be free and then somebody will. How could you? That's Pokey Reese and Doug Minkiewicz in 2004. How could you not pick up Jackie Bradley Jr. and throw him on your bench if you're a contender? He's the most. I I don't know if you consider him. Is he still an elite defensive outfielder? I know he's a very good outfielder. Is he still as good as he was? Well, I think everybody's got their peak and I think he probably you know, saw his peak, but he's probably, he's pretty damn good. He's better off than anybody else they have out there. But he's a great late inning defensive replacement, right? Well, yeah. So what's $7 million in Major League Baseball? I lost you for that. I'm sorry, Hank. Go no, no, no. What's $7 million for if you're, for such a great late inning defensive replacement, Jackie Bradley Jr. can still go get it. I mean, the money's not that big of a deal for a team like that, right? Here's, here's what's the crazy part. Contender. The Red Sox have to pay it anyway. So they get rid of Jackie Bradley and they have to pay it anyway. Do you think Alex Cora wanted, wanted to get rid of Jackie Bradley? He didn't want him on his bench the way this defense has been? This has been a, Alex Cora's a lifelong baseball guy. As embarrassed as it is to watch the Red Sox, how do you think he feels about this? That's so dysfunctional right now. You know what would make him feel a lot better if he went up to see George Gray today? George makes everybody feel better. And it's not just talking about gonna... buying, a, buying a, a Toyota at George Gray's Lexington Toyota. By the way, at 409 Mass Ave in Lexington, go to their website. It's LexingtonToyota.com. Great service. The very best in the industry. Award winning. They win the award every single year. Best Toyota service. They've also got selection that a lot of dealerships don't have because of the relationships that George is able to create and leverage because of who he is. They've owned that dealership for over 50 years. And you're also talking about an elite brand, a Toyota. So do yourself a favor. You'll walk in the door. You'll meet a guy whose his entire family is involved. His three boys, his wife, they're all there at 409 Mass Ave. 
They know how to treat people. They treat people like family. Like Bob and I have been the recipients of their largesse, not just monetarily, meaning, but their friendship, their kindness. Right, Bob? I mean, just yep. wonderful people more than anything else. Yep. Happy birthday, George. Best. Just celebrated number 75. They're the best. So 75. And he can also tell you about, uh, was it, um, who was it that he took to the, uh, the premiere and the Prius, Bob? Who was the actress? Not Jane Seymour. No, it wasn't Jane Seymour. She was my date. Um, Glenn Close? No, it was close to Glenn Close, but not Glenn Close. Kramer uh, versus Kramer. No. Damn it, Kramer. Don't the ask that, a question you don't know the answer to. The one that dated Dennis Leary? Um, I know. I knew the answer. It escaped me. What's her name? Uh, Elizabeth, Elizabeth Hurley? No. 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 Give us some hints. You can see her. You can in your mind. You can see her. Uh, yeah, Kevin. Um, was it Robert Klein that was also in that movie? What movie are we oh, talking no. about? Fish called Wanda. That was not. We were not talking no. about that one. Wow, we went down a rabbit hole. I mean, you know what? Do yourself a favor. You want to know the answer? Go see George Gray, Four okay. Nine Mass Ave. All right. Should we give a cell <laughs> phone number? Hang up. I'm going to re remember this. Okay, how come we haven't talked about the revolution and the great win that they had the other night? Are you serious? That spectacular I'm, player. No. I'm not serious. I'm not really not, not serious. That's, that's, that was a good answer. Are you serious? I love the revs. I did the revs for three years, play by play. The fans hated me. You did? You did. Why do you say that, Arthur? Oh, because I, I knew it. They I went on the sites. They hated me. <laughs> what do you mean, Why? Well, going back to my career path, when I was at Channel 68, the station got sold. I needed a job for that summer, and Jonathan Kraft hired me to do Patriots Monday and to do the Revolution. And the first game I did, it was icing offsides. I didn't know what the hell I was talking about with soccer. Yeah, but my, you knew Eddie Andelman was at home watching you. But right, but my color guy was Adrian Haley, a self-proclaimed footy who grew up in England. And he said, come on, Butch, I'm going to take you out for a pint and teach you the game. And he taught me about through balls and taught me how to watch a guy like Carlos Valderrama play checkers while everybody else was playing chess. And after three years of doing soccer, I did earn my stripes. We traveled. We did my games in Miami, Dallas, the um, Rose Bowl. And I learned soccer players are tough for all the flopping they do. You know, really it's funny, tough. the very first time I ever went to a pro soccer match, the Revolution, I went with my pal, John Willis, JW. Remember, his dad was John Willis from Channel 5 from the Good Day Show. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. John was, you know, legendary radio announcer, Country 1025. I went to the game, <clears throat> John, rabid fan. I never realized, ignorantly, what a physical game professional soccer is. Physical. Well, just ah. to, to me, Hank, the big difference is add this in, come, almost compared to any other sport, similar to hockey and basketball, but different. They run constantly for 90 minutes plus constantly there's no line shifts there's no timeouts there's <laughs> it's yeah. crazy it's crazy yeah they're in shape all well, right boys you guys stepped up today i have to say that this was a very enlightening show well my favorite part was talking about Eck. i think he'll be missed I, I'm, I'm looking forward to the final broadcast before the seasons are over because I know he'll be thoughtful, and I know he won't want the – you know this, Bob. He won't want the attention. 
And that's why it's probably going to be more emotional now. They only have, by the way, I'll leave you with this. I just did some math. The Red Sox are 54 and 56. They have 52 games left, 52 games. The wild card, since it's been in, the average is 90 and a half wins. So 91 wins gets you to the wild card. Do you know what the Red Sox would have to do for the rest of the year to win 90 games? It would be 36 and 16, 20 games over 500. Good luck with that. Yeah, they'd have to recreate the first two months of the season. I mean, we've seen the switch flip many years. We saw when Nomar got traded, they played 700 baseball in 04. Do you have any faith in the world the Red Sox could play 20 games over 500? I think they're going to finish under 500. I think they get a better chance of going 16 and 36 down the stretch. Well, Chris Sale won't be coming in anytime soon. He's not walking (laughs) through that door. Anyway, I just, the numbers don't work, certainly. You know, and then all right. Well, listen. They, thank they you for watching us. and listening. They hate us for pointing out that they suck. I don't think we're the only ones, Robert. Where's the panic button, Bob? <laughs> it's right behind me. There it oh, is. I feel better. I hadn't seen it. Glad it's still there. Thing probably okay. needs new batteries now. <laughs> all right, gentlemen. Hey, have a thank great you week. Thank you for watching and listening. Unanchored Boston, the podcast. Go to the website unanchoredboston.com. You can follow us along Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Send us some messages on Facebook, something you want to ask. Yeah, come on, Lynchy. It's time to come back. Come yeah, on, absolutely. Lynchy. All right, guys. Be well. Okay, we'll see you. All right, guys. Have All a right. Good, good job. You too. Unanchored Boston is a presentation of Unanchored Media, a Burke Advertising LLC company. For show information, visit unanchoredboston.com. Thank you.